the Nick Rao Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Nick again from Rao Career Coaching. Hope you are well. Hope you've had a wonderful Easter break. Welcome to another edition of the Nick Rao Podcast. And we're in for another treat. Today I am sharing with you all a recording from a few weeks ago with a wonderful man who basically brings words to life. I had the pleasure of meeting this man a couple of years ago and as you will hear in our podcast today, our relationship has grown. I am thrilled to welcome to you Robert Tai. Robert's the owner of a New Zealand business called Storybud and in our conversation today we talk about him growing up in Cloudy Island, we talk about how he landed his first journalist gig, um, we share a few Irish jokes and we really walk through his life so far from moving from Ireland to New Zealand, raising his family, owning a business, running a business, uh, being a best-seller, best-selling author. Uh, what a huge achievement and congratulations again to Robert for this huge, huge achievement. Words mean so much to so many people and as a leader, as a human, as a visionary, as, a, as anyone, how you communicate your story is imperative to your success. Look at any great leader around the world, they have a, an innate ability to bring words to life that inspire people. Robert does just that. He works with business owners, he works with individuals and enables them to really shape their story and allows his wisdom to really bring an authentic voice to who you are and what it is you're about. We had a wonderful conversation, we had a really, really fun chat around everything to do with words as somebody who, as you know, grew up with is dyslexic words are a real challenge to me but again Robert brought reality to to how you can and should use words I'd encourage any of you listening to reach out to Robert uh, he's a wonderful man doing some exceptionally great things all the notes are links and uh, show notes are up and sit back relax grab a warm cocoa and enjoy our conversation and enjoy the powerful story of words. Thank you. And we press go here in the global headquarters. Welcome in my friends around the world. It is middle of March, I think, as we're recording this. I've got a wonderful guest in our global headquarters, Robert Tai, who owns such an amazing doing good thing business and I'd encourage any of you listeners out there to jump online and connect with Rob. Rob has, well I probably want to take you on a story but before we do that, welcome everybody and I hope you're healthy, I hope you're safe and I hope you're looking after each other. Um, this conversation is going to be really good, I've got no script, no format, no questions but Rob and I are, are going to try something a bit different. Early last year I went along to an event here in Auckland, New Zealand, which was a government-led uh, meeting of them sharing us how we go about doing things from a tender business point of view. And you all know me by now, I'm an introverted dyslexic accountant and I couldn't wait for the day to be over. But what caught my eye at the side of um, 
the conference room was a, a beautiful um, gelato stand and I wandered over to the gelato stand with my wallet in my hand ready to purchase some gelato, gelato. and to my right a man was standing next to me and me being an introvert dyslexic didn't even hold eye contact and Rob leant over and said hi I'm Rob um, who are you and I introduced myself and fast forward a year we've just been on a wonderful journey together and today he's come on and, and gifted his time to be part of our um, podcast crowd crew and we're going to talk about his business we're going to talk about his story we're going to talk about his life and why he does so well in what he does but before we do that another reason why he's here is Rob is a co-author of a wonderful book um, Zero to Sixty and recently gave me this book to, to read and as a dyslexic person I actually read it three times Rob Wow. Cover to cover three times. Cool. And it was a book on Tony Quinn, who's a successful businessman here in around the world and here in New Zealand. And I was just enamoured with what the work Rob does and why I wanted to get him on my podcast today was part of the work I do with CEOs and executives around the world is being comfortable with your story, mm. being comfortable with who you are, working on who you are and why you do what you do. And I know I'm going to introduce Rob to many of these CEs because I think it's going to really enable them to be more present around who they are and what they're doing but this book really inspired me to get Rob on and I can't bring written words to life it's just the voice words so hopefully as we go through today we're going to learn about each other welcome yeah. on Rob thank you very much Nick yeah great to be here in uh, the headquarters uh, global headquarters yeah global headquarters the AKA 20 foot shipping container it's a really hot day and we've got no air conditioning in here but it's very pleasant. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely Monday morning in New Zealand, and uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's, it's great to be here. Your business story, bud. Hmm. Should we start there? Yeah, we should. Uh, it's, it's relatively new. I'm, uh, I've been working with words for a long time. I've been a, a journalist, freelance journalist, since 2000, 2001, and... Uh, and you had a wonderful career as a freelance journalist and got to interview loads of amazing people. Um, I tended to specialise in sports and um, I did a lot of work with Red Bull around the extreme sports and, and, and stuff like that. And I also got to work with entrepreneurs and uh, artists and boxers and BMXers and all sorts, Olympic athletes. And uh, I always hid behind their story though. And I, and I was quite comfortable doing that. I mean, like you, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very much an introvert and I loved being able to sit down with people and hear their story and translate that into words and, and translate it into a, a narrative and, and, and take readers on a journey. And uh, a few years ago, like probably a lot of people, I saw the writing on the wall for, for journalism and, and newspapers and magazines. It's become really, really difficult out there. And I was working with an entrepreneur at the time, uh, Tony Quinn, and uh, Tony really opened my eyes to just how much in common uh, athletes and entrepreneurs have. And in what uh, way? What way just in terms of their, um, their outlook on life, um, their positivity, um, uh, goal setting. They're all, they all share a lot of similar traits. And, and being around that positivity, being around that kind of charisma... Um, I found just really inspiring and I wanted more of it and, and, and as I said because I, I, I couldn't I couldn't really see a way of kind of um, maintaining my journalism career the way things were going um, I saw an opportunity to start working more with entrepreneurs 
and that led to Storybud. And so we've been up and running about, I suppose, three years now. Wow. Um, well done. The tagline is very simple. It's um, tell better stories. It's aimed at tell better stories. Yeah. So it's aimed at um, business people, business leaders, entrepreneurs, founders, owners, managers, anybody who needs to tell better stories to promote what they do, why they do it, essentially. That's the the short version. Isn't it? That's a wonderful short version. Thank you for joining us today, and hopefully that gives the audience around the world a little bit of insight into you. And 100%, I'll put some show notes up and some links to how to connect with Rob at the very end. But tell better stories. Isn't it interesting? You know, you and I have had a chat about something before we came on, on, on Press Live on this, and whatever you do in life, there's a great there's a real art in how you tell a story and what it means to the person receiving that story or message whether you're a a dad, a mum brother, sister, workmate sports person we've all got our own stories and one thing I loved about you is we stood against that gelato stand and you said I'm an introvert as well and I kind of thought oh there's a connection there already and that you tell better stories by taking somebody's words, mm. thoughts, ideas mm. and have a wonderful magical way of bringing that to life in the form of a book that's what that's what story bud means to me as an outsider and I'm not close to your business but when I look at some of the things that you've done successfully well over the last few years and even prior I'm reading a Barmer's book at the moment, mm. 700 odd pages. Yeah, it's a beast. It's a beast. <laughs> a lot of, lots, yeah. lots of cutting for my That's side. a lot of words. Yeah. It's a lot of words. Yeah. But again, he said, I listened to him, he's had a, he had a ghostwriter, someone mm. like, successful like you that mm. sat alongside and helped him shape that because mm. that's not his gig. Mm. When does somebody, this is, this is probably a little bit weird, but when, when does somebody think about writing a book or writing a story? Where, what's your experience around that? What is the trigger you mean? Yeah, what, what, maybe use Tony or, or broader speaking. You know, there is a saying, and I remember growing up, there's a book in everyone, Nick. Yeah. But it's a matter of time and a place. But yeah. When does that kind of trigger ignite someone's thought to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down with, with Rob and get him in to write a book with me? How does that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure there is a book in everyone. Right. Um, certainly not a. A good book, I think. I think you know. They may not get published, yeah. but it's still, it's still yeah, yeah. a book. Yeah, I mean, to make a book um, worth reading, it's, it's a challenge, you know. And and you've got to be prepared to dig deep. I think to mm. to create a book that's 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 worth reading and and, and 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 worth investing your time and effort into it. What's the trigger? Different personalities. It, it appeals to different personalities. For example, Tony Quinn. Um, loves to talk he's a, he's a, he's a he's a wonderful storyteller wow and always has been and, and and i think a large part of his success as a businessman was down to his charisma and his ability to tell a story so as a first book to be involved in as a ghostwriter i was un, un, incredibly blessed Are you able to share how you you know you and i spoke quite freely before about its timing its yeah. place and there's a lot of luck yeah. into how people succeed in yeah. business but how did you 
how did you get the gig? How, how yeah. did that come about? If you if you can share, great. If you totally. can't, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, I'd love to. Um, I'm, I, I will get onto that. But I, again, just to clarify that in terms of the trigger, um, it's different personalities. Mm. I think some people love the idea of sharing their story, of leaving a legacy, of, of um, inspiring other people. For other people, it's the last thing in the world they want to do. And, and I, I totally respect mm. that and I totally get that. So you, I think you've got to know yourself and you will know yourself if it's something that, that appeals to you or not. Because it's an it's, it's quite a serious investment of time and, and mm. effort and, and, and emotion mm. to go down this road. Tony was absolutely all in from the start. And, and actually, when I met him, I, I was working for Red Bull at the time. I was um, the editor of New, uh, the New Zealand country uh, issue of the Red Bulletin magazine, yeah. which is a global... Um, magazine published by Red Bull out of their head office in Austria and they had 12 different country versions so the US had one, South Africa, the UK and I was responsible for the New Zealand one which meant sourcing New Zealand local content to mix in with all the other incredible stories from Red Bull around the world. Mm. Tony had um, recently built a motorsport park, a racetrack uh, called Highlands Motorsport Park down in Cromwell in central Otago and uh, he was getting quite a bit of publicity for that and as a magazine editor I saw this story and I thought that is definitely a Red Bull story he was this kind of maverick who was doing things you know just doing something absolutely outlandish that nobody thought would succeed building a racetrack in Cromwell which is like a, an orchard town mm. between, mm. between Wanaka and Queenstown so the last place in the world really you would logically think would be the, you know, an ideal place for a racetrack but uh, Tony had an affinity with Queenstown. He, he's based in the Gold Coast in Australia, but he'd been coming back and forth to Australia for quite a few years. And he had got bored of skiing and going down the luge and going to the vineyards. And uh, he's passionate about motorsport. And so he built this racetrack. And I went down to do a feature story on him and, and more specifically on the racetrack and, and why, he, why he was inspired to do it. Hung out with him for the weekend, and over the course of the weekend, learned his incredible journey from um, Scotland, from growing up really dirt poor in Scotland, um, to becoming a, a really successful and wealthy businessman in Australia. And he told me he was trying to tell his life story. He said he had worked with two, uh, he had he had been working with two authors, two ghostwriters, and had fired both of them. So, um, so you're in. So I was in. I was like, okay, there's a chance then. Okay, so the, the situation is vacant at the moment. So that I have a chance. Um, I'd never written a book before. Uh, never had the opportunity. So I finished the magazine profile and sent it to him and sent it to his personal assistant. And at the bottom, I just put a little PS. I said, if you're um, if you're keen about writing your book, I'd love to help you. And that was the start of it. It was probably the most serendipitous and, and the most um, yeah rewarding PS I've ever put at the end of an email because it led to the opportunity to work with him. And then over the course of the next six or eight months, we sat down maybe once a week for three hours, I'd say, three hours, three hour sessions. And um, he told me his life story. And then when he was finished talking, this is probably a couple of months in. Mm. <laughs> it was literally press record and let him go. He, he, he didn't need much prompting. But then my job was then to take that, take his words and find the narrative and find the story and, and get the crucial details that made the, made the book work, mm. if you like. So, yeah, that was the start of my um, journey with uh, working with entrepreneurs. And, uh, what's, it's, that, it's what's that message telling you? When you look at that, and you know Tony Quinn, for anyone who doesn't know, is a highly successful mm. guy. Yeah. You know whether you like him or loathe him, yeah. he's doing done some good things, and he'll continue to do some good things. Yeah. 
when I'm coaching CEOs and senior executives, there's a lot of things that resonate in our coaching journey together. And I want to just hold on that point because there's a big elephant in the room, not literally, but you send an email yeah. after being invited down to spend the weekend with him and family and whatever down there. Yeah. Then you write, here's, dear Tony, please find attached said article, yeah. please review, yeah. critique, send it back to me by five o'clock tonight. Yeah. P.S. Hmm. If you want me to be your ghost, right, I'm in. What, what's that kind of showing you as a, as a, as a business owner of StoryBud now? Had you not been bold enough had you not been brave enough to be rejected, yeah. but to put that little PS on, question, would you and I be sitting here today? Very, very unlikely. What would you be doing? Yeah, I have no idea. I think I probably would still be working in journalism, and I do miss it, mm. and I probably would have been quite content and quite happy with it, but I'm, it's, it's probably one of the most... Um, the, mo- the most valuable things I've done, I think, and, and it has led to so many good things. And it probably was a little bit out of the ordinary for me to put not myself the kind out of thing there. You would normally not do. the kind of thing I would normally do and and uh, and uh, as I said the, re- the rewards for doing it were you know have been just uh, you know outstanding so so glad I did it and it l- led to so many other opportunities uh, quite a few other entrepreneurs contacted me and when the book was published okay. it went to number one in New Zealand which was yeah, an incredible experience as well to be part of. To see your first book, hang on, because yeah. I'm big on holding people to account mm. and letting hold the mirror up. I'm, mm. We're not going to a coaching session, but just from a from a, what I hear is my first book that I ghost wrote, yeah. co-wrote in yeah. my language, is of a su- successful businessman. Oh, and it goes to number one here in New Zealand. Mm. To me, that's an art. There's a skill. There's an ability. Forget the man behind the book, mm. i.e., Tony. Mm. If you had not shaped it, written it, articulated in the natural way that you have successfully done it, mm. and it doesn't go to number one, yeah. it goes to number 100, yeah. do you carry on doing story, but do you carry on in your dream of running a business? I think I probably would, but it was a real endorsement, I think. Yeah, it was a real, huge, was a huge, huge kind of um, reassurance that I, was, uh, that I was on the right track. And, and I mean, I... I've, as I said, worked as a journalist for you know 18 years previous to that, and a lot of the work I did was feature writing and um, profiles and interviews with people. So I had 18, I'd, I'd 18 years of, of, of um, experience of sitting down with somebody and talking to them and drawing stories out of them. I, I should clarify, like the tagline, "Tell better stories." I'm not a, a presenting coach. I no, don't, I don't work with people. I, you know, I actually d- don't consider myself a great storyteller. What I am great at doing is drawing stories out of people, and then translating them into words and helping them just really realise the power of their stories mm. more than anything else. Um, but yeah, the, the book going to number one was a super endorsement for what I do, and and I, I think you touched on it earlier. I, I do feel that that is my my. Um, my real ability is to sit down with somebody and take the thoughts and the ideas and the experiences that they, they've had and really just make sense of them for the first time. Um, and it's the process as much as anything else. You know, if, you know, Tony sitting down for you know um, three hours once mm. a week. You know, he would never have done that if he if he hadn't decided to write the book. And I think that that for him, I think he 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 said to me afterwards that he enjoyed the process as much as the actual physical product of the book. He loved having the book out. Obviously, he was you know, he's super proud of it. But the process, you know, I think he described it as, as cathartic. 
Interesting. That you know, taking that time out to sit down and actually reflect on what he had achieved. Taking you know, that time out mm, of my busy day mm, to actually think about what I've done mm, or achieved or going to achieve in mm, life is such a huge moment for anybody in this world. Yeah. And when you look at yourself as a business owner and you've landed the accolades that go with the book. Mm. Let's go back. We've got some listeners in Ireland. Got some friends in Ireland, cool. and I hope they're listening into this, and I hope they enjoy our conversation today. Early childhood. Where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? Um, I grew up in a place called Tume, which, for anybody listening in Ireland, is sought after right. country. Yep. It's, a, it's a, an, uh, an Irish band that Tume is probably well known for. It's in uh, it's near Galway, Galway city in the, in the west of Ireland. And uh, I grew up on a dairy farm. I was, uh, yeah, my dad was a, a dairy farmer, and uh, so I had a, a childhood that revolved around a lot of work, um, a lot of sport. Mm. Um, I was milking cows from the age of seven or eight, um, and most summers were working on the farm. Yep. Uh, every weekend we'd need to do a little bit of work on the farm, and uh, when I wasn't working on the farm, I was playing a lot of sport. I love sport and I love reading about sport as well from a really young age. I mean, uh, this is what, uh, I was born in 73, so in the 80s, um, it was a really kind of um, golden era for newspapers. Yeah. Yeah, I think you if you grew up in the UK, you yep. remember the Sunday Times Sunday newspaper, Times. which is like a doorstop. We used to get that in Ireland as well. We used to get three Sunday newspapers to our house. So we'd get we'd get um, two Irish Sunday papers and we get the Sunday Times from the UK as well. And our Sundays, our wet, wet, rainy <laughs> Sunday mornings in Ireland, were spent reading the newspapers. And I loved it. I devoured it. I, uh, and I particularly loved profiles and interviews with 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 people, whether it was sports people mm. or musicians. I love my music as well. So whether it was musicians or sports people or actors, uh, you know, I just lapped that stuff up. I loved knowing where people came from and how they got to where they where they were you know following the journey and uh didn't want to be a farmer i, I saw how hard my dad worked I, I i think i decided from an early age that i didn't want to be a farmer and uh and so i kind of considered becoming a journalist and, and my mum bought me a typewriter when i was 13 or 14 i think a big old heavy typewriter did she give you some tippics she, she did. She gave me a tip, some tipex and a manual, a typewriting manual to teach myself how to touch type. For kids that might be listening, <laughs> or if Louie or Willow, they will, be, they will be listening. A typewriter. Yes, that's right. Oh shit! Start again. And the tipex was right out your mistake. But yeah, I wasn't particularly diligent at school, but I I I applied myself and I came for the typewriter and I taught myself to touch type, which was a skill that has come in really handy as a journalist and soon after that I applied for a summer job at the local newspaper the Tume Herald and um, I wrote a little bit about music and a little bit about sport for those guys and just got a sense of what it was like to be so literally going out covering stories speaking to people getting not to that first job okay, I was okay. like 15 or 16 okay. I, think, I think my first story was a review of uh, an album called Doolittle by a band called the Pixies Small band, They didn't make it to Where tune. would they be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a live review or anything like that. It was just the album. So you made them? I made them. Yeah, I broke them in tune, the tune heralds. But yeah, that was my very first published story, I think. And wow. uh, have, you, have you kept it? Oh, I have. I've got. The Is it framed? Uh, it's not framed. We should frame it. Frame it. I should. I should. Your kids will be so seriously. Yeah. You know, I'm a. I'm big on That's a good having idea. the kids in my world and Louie and Willow being yeah. with my clients and the vice versa. Yeah. 
and you know it's part of shaping and, and helping them educate and learn and grow yeah. about being around people because we are yes yeah. we're in a world of technology and button pushing and stuff like that but still yeah. having that time with people is so important frame it please chuck well, it up in the well. dad I remember dad did saying <laughs> my, my whatever it was something I got and it was framed and he put it he said I put it in such a good place I went where's that dad downstairs toilet <laughs> <laughs> I love it think about where you I will it. I will think carefully about where I put it and thanks for the prompt that's a really good idea so go going back to the affinity or my words maybe not yours the love and the passion of reading a paper on a Sunday mm. in, in grey wet Ireland mm. and churning through the books I see um, I see Willow. She's very much like Nicola, her mum, mm. my wife. And Nick's a big, big reader. Mm. You know, she's got Kindle, but she'll go through books all day long. And she's just absorbed in words and, and the books themselves. As an early child growing up, what kind of books would you read? Was there any kind of genre that you would want to read? Or was there, you know, you talk about the, the, the paper book, any yeah. like hard books that came through that you'd say... That would be my go-to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I read heaps and heaps when I was younger, yeah, for sure. I read uh, Enid Blyden was, was popular yep. back then, um, so I got through all of those and then graduated to Roald Dahl, yep. read all of those. Um, and I, got, I think then early teens, Stephen King, okay. probably, uh, fairly typical to, to go to the kind of mm. the harder stuff, and, uh, and Stephen King was just an incredible storyteller. Um, and then as I really quite early on I graduated towards non-fiction as well I loved sports biographies mm. I remember one of the very first one that really grabbed me was one by a guy called Paul Kimmage and Paul Kimmage was a professional cyclist and he wrote this incredible book called A Rough Ride mm. which exposed drug taking and cycling before anybody knew it was a thing really he was one of the first to kind of say hey this sport is rotten and that book led to the end of his professional cycling career okay. and the start of his journalism career. And he's gone since gone on to be an award-winning journalist with the Sunday Times. Wow. Yeah, super successful. And he was one of the journalists who relentlessly went after Lance Armstrong. So there's some, some incredible press conferences on YouTube where Paul Kimmage mm. is, you know, grilling Lance Armstrong. And Lance Did he Armstrong. pick a switch on you? No, we talked about, you know, who's helped you, who who flicked the switch, who gave you the leg up in, in your career. But would that would that be fair to say that yeah. the work that he was putting out there really gave you an appetite to it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, books like that. And as I said, um, particularly the newspaper, uh, newspapers I was reading and the profiles I was reading in the newspapers, I really got a sense that, man, that sounds like a great job. Just sitting down with somebody and having the excuse, you know, having an excuse to grill them and find out, you know, how did you get here? That just really, it, it, it really um, appealed to me. But you're from a quite a young age. Sorry to interject, but you're an introvert, like my good self. Yeah. And how does somebody, and we don't put people on labels or who am I to judge, but an introvert yeah. sitting down with a celeb or yeah. a famous person or a going placing person, how do you have the confidence to sit with somebody and? Do your gig? I didn't. I didn't. I ran through that. I ran away for from it for ten years. Ten years, I ran away. Yeah, Go. I went to I went to uni to study English, sociology, and politics. Where? In Galway. Okay. Yeah, thinking that would be a good qualification to get into journalism. And in hindsight, it was ridiculous. I should have done journalism. Straight off the bat. <laughs> ridiculous choice. But I had a great time. I had three great years in college. And I wanted to get off the farm. I wanted to yeah. I wanted to live my life. And I didn't go far, in fairness. I probably, because as an introvert, I was probably a little bit risk-averse. And so mm. I, I went 
I took the easy option. I could have studied journalism maybe in Dublin, in the big smoke, but I, I took the easy option and did a Bachelor of Arts, mm. which was... Um, yeah, it was it was the easy option, and and that maybe that was partly to do with my introvertedness and, and 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 maybe not willing to take a risk. And after that, I I, I jumped like a lot of Bachelor of Arts graduates from uh, average job to even more average job, and I, I you know I, I worked in um, sales and I worked in um, recruitment for a while mm-hmm. as well, and different things. Recruitment was booming in Ireland at the time; it was the Celtic Tiger time. So mm-hmm. I, I did I did um, well in the recruitment industry. And that probably brought me out of my shell. That was a job that where, you know, I was forced to sit down with people mm. and interview them mm. and talk to them and, and, and draw stories out of them and, I suppose, um, interpret those stories and, and, and make a call. Is this person going to be a good fit for this company or not? So that was probably the start of it, even though within a couple of years I started to hate the job. I, I, it just really wasn't for me mm. because it felt... Yeah, there was no deeper meaning to it for me. It was just, you know... Transactional. It was really transactional. Yeah. And uh, so I was probably in limbo for quite a bit in my twenties, and, and and all the time, to- all that time, I was, uh, you know, I had a, this nagging feeling in my gut, like, why are you not writing? Why am I not writing? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. am I not doing what I should be yeah. on this earth to do? Totally, I, I could, fe- I could feel it and sense it, and it was a growing kind of sense of, you know, you, you've got to do something. And I walked into a bookshop one day, and I picked up a book by Tony Robbins called Unleash the Power Within. And yep. I, um, I would have been a massive self-help skeptic. So I don't know why. Dubious in another yeah, language, as in absolutely. push away. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I think up to then I was very much a believer in fate and that, uh, you know, life will come find me. Mm. You know, I don't mm. have to go out and find it. Mm. Life will, life's going to be good. And, and it was. I was enjoying life, but I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, which is writing. So I, I, for some reason that book, I, I read the back cover and it just spoke to me. And, 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 and thankfully I picked it up, went home, did the exercises wrote down a list of things that I wanted to do and wanted to achieve and one of them was become a writer. Well done. And I think within a week or a fortnight I had rung the editor of my local paper back home in Tume because I figured that was the best place to start. Mm-hmm. I had no qualifications apart from a VA degree and I figured rather than spending another year or two years or three years going back to school to study journalism, why not, why not go to the source and, and, and try and do it you know, um, the old-fashioned way, self-taught, and that's what I did. My editor, uh, the editor of the local paper, thankfully gave me a start without any experience and put me on the um, the local sports rant, and, and that's where I started going out to matches and interviewing people, and and and, uh, and I suppose developing the confidence you you need to to do that, um, and that led to a job with a bigger paper, the local regional and the regional paper, which was based out of Galway, and uh, and that was the start of it, and and uh, that was. 20 odd years ago. And, uh, I love you. I really do love this. This is why I love these long form conversations. It's not about here's a question, answer it. But you know, you, you talk about rocking up into a rocking up into a bookstore, finding a book by someone who's heard of Tony Robbins or whatever. But yeah. you know, he's apparently quite a successful dude. <laughs> um, what's really resonated with me is, and something that I see in all my clients or most of my clients is, you took it away, you did the exercises, and you wrote something down yeah. you wrote a few things a list a book a novel whatever of what you want to achieve yeah. many of the successful people who I have the pleasure of coaching I get them to journal yeah. every single day some do it some don't three good things one one poor thing mm. every single day it's about building habits and mm. behaviours and 
whilst you may not have sensed it or seen it, but you actually writing something down as making a commitment to mm. yourself. And I'm big on make a commitment to yourself. And mm. don't just say it, commit to it. Totally. Commit to doing it. And you've written it down mm. and you're now, you've now written a best-selling book mm. and you're going to go on to some amazing Totally. Yeah, I mean, writing things down, again, that was such a huge eye-opener for me. I think the other things I wrote down on, on that list after doing the Tony Robbins book were I was uh, uh, going out with a New Zealand girl at the time, yep. uh, who is now my wife, and one of the things I wrote down in the book was move to New Zealand with my, my girlfriend, live in New Zealand, and near a beach. Um, 20 years on, I'm living near a beach in Torbay on Auckland's North Shore. So it was 20 years from writing that down. Mm. Was it kind of find a Kiwi, move to New Zealand, or was it the girlfriend no, at the time was a Kiwi? Yeah, she was my girlfriend at the yeah, time, yeah. and I sensed that she could be the one. And I made a commitment that, yeah, I'm going to make this work. And, and I, I, I had always wanted to live outside of Ireland. I had, uh, my my mum tells a story that like when I was eight years old, I said to her that um, I'm never living in Ireland when I grow up. I hate the rain. So mum repeats this now when she, she comes. Does, yeah. Is your mum and father still around? They're still around. Yeah, they're still at home. They so still hold now. you to account. Yeah, you said I'm you're never leaving home, and now yeah, you're bugging off. Yeah. No, I said I, I, I'm never going to live in Ireland. Like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to live. Yeah. I'm going to live abroad because I can't stand the rain. And, and sure enough, I did. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That process of writing those things mm. down was, was just a, a commitment to myself. Uh, so you yeah, write down something, so we're sitting in 2021 now in March, middle of March, we're having this wonderful chat in, in the global headquarters, and without writing it down, what's your, what's your personal, this is not a professional mm. priority, what's your personal desire when you and I sit down in March 2022, mm. what's the number one thing you would have done this year, do you think? Um... I've gone all in on a process that I call your origin story. Love it. Tell and us more about that. That's working with, as I said, business leaders who want to do a kind of a condensed version of a book, of a memoir, of a life story, who see the value in, as I said about Tony, taking that time to reflect on what they've done, where they've been, why they've done it. And for many of them, it'll be the first time. But the process of, of sitting down to work with me on your origin story, uh, I've been doing it about a year or 18 mm. months now, and I absolutely love it. The, um, again, it's that privilege of sitting down with somebody and, and, and sharing um, some of their you know, most vulnerable moments, some of their highs, some of their lows, and, and then pulling that all together into a, into a narrative that they can really own. And, and anytime somebody asks them the question, what do you do? they have this story to draw back on, that they're not stumbling around in, in, the, in their memory bank looking for a story that, that, that they've actually thought through. And it's this story that reflects their values and, and reflects who they are and what they stand for mm. and why they do what they do. And, uh, yeah, so a year from now, I would love that to be... I, I'm also a writer who works with businesses on case studies and website content and blog posts, so, yeah, you know, all of that other stuff. But I really see... A potential and a, and a need to make this origin story my core offering and I would love in a year's time for it to be my core offering and to work with lots of great people that, that's why I do this I, you know what floats my boat is the opportunity to sit down with great people and inspiring people and draw these stories out of them that's, that's what I get a kick out of keep doing that mm. keep progressing on that because I just I just know what you do with people and how you bring that story to life is so valuable and the day of a quick flick hack shortcut 
you know, it's not a short, quick flick hack. Mm. It takes time, and everyone's story takes time, and they're very personal and private and individual to every single one of us around the world. But I'd certainly encourage anyone listening who wants to think about their their story and how they articulate that and how they present that and how they bring that through whether you're the best wordsmith in the world or not reach out to Rob and see how his style of operating could support that and enable that to happen and family 20 years ago Mm. still Europe yeah because when did you move to NZ I moved here in 2004. 2004. Yeah. And you came here because of the boss? Yeah, she was uh, she was a physio and she did a physio masters in Brisbane. Yep. So we spent a year apart. I was I was um, working with the regional paper in Galway and I felt that I needed to to get that experience under my belt before I, I, I committed to moving to this side mm. of the world. So we trialed the long distance relationship. For Had a you year. been up here before or tasted nope. New Zealand? Just I'd been to Australia. Okay. I went to Australia in '98 for a year and, and uh, enjoyed this, this side of the world but hadn't made it to New Zealand but um, yeah we spent a year apart but we stayed in touch and then um, I came down here at the end of 2003 I think mm. uh, Christmas 2003 bad time of year in New Zealand because yeah, it's, it's really cold isn't it and and wet and, and windy and my wife um, being you know quite switched on took me on the shock and all tour of the South <laughs> Island no, we no, we went to uh, we did that circuit from um, Christchurch out to um, Akaroa and oh, across wow. the uh, across the uh, Arthur's Pass and then down the west coast. And I think anybody who's driven into Iwanaka from that west coast, beautiful, and you see that view. The thoughts of going back to Ireland after I've seen that view. She knew. She hooked you. <laughs> she, <laughs> she knew. She I mean, hooked you at Christchurch. Yeah. Basically. I mean, obviously, listen, I love the North Shore and I love Auckland, and I'm still here, and, but I spent a bit of time down in the South Island. Yeah. And uh, that was such a strategic move. I, I think it's maybe something they teach Kiwis in uh, in high school over here. You know, had to had to bring back um, you know foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> bring back foreigners. I married Nicola's a Kiwi. She's from Devonport, and you know, we met here years and years ago. Yeah. And it's quite funny, you know, when you leave a country and you pack your bag and you arrive somewhere else, and you think to yourself, how, how am I going to make, how am I going to make something of this? Mm. Or, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to to do something mm. in life. And I think, you know, we're in COVID. COVID is is around us and amongst us. And I really, I really worry because I've got parents, elderly parents back in the UK mm. and they just had their jabs done and bits and pieces like that. I've got friends still up in the UK and you know they, they do when we speak they do say how how cool New Zealand looks and mm. how well we're adapting or doing things mm. in as a New Zealand. If you look back over the last year in particular, and I love your story from, you know, working in a local gazette journalism to, to suddenly arriving here in New Zealand. Over the last year it's been challenging for us all as business owners, mm. whether you're a sole trader or running the biggest multinational in the world. It's it's hard. It's lonely. What what's the what's the one thing you've noticed in yourself as a human going through the last year? Is there anything that stands out? Um, well, first of all, I count myself as incredibly lucky. It's 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 really surreal, and, and obviously I'm in touch with with friends and family in Ireland, and it's really surreal to have been in New Zealand during this time mm. and uh, um, living pretty much normal lives uh, apart from the occasional lockdown and 
it's it's kind of it makes it challenging when you're talking to friends and family back home now because you don't want to obviously rub it in you mm. don't you don't want to no. you no. don't want to um, talk it up too much but it, it has made me even more grateful I think and and, and uh, than ever before about the fact that I am in, in this part of the world for me I've, I've freelanced for maybe nearly ten years mm. now so most of that has been working from home. So it hasn't meant dramatic changes to my lifestyle. It has meant the kids have been home a bit more. I've got three kids, mm. 14, 12, and, and, and 7. So it's been quite cool to have them around a wee bit more. Um, but in practical terms, it hasn't meant a hell of a lot of mm. um, a difference to my lifestyle. What it has meant is um, Zoom meetings and um, interviews and conversations with clients have mainly shifted online mm. and there's much more willingness to do that which is a positive mm. it's great it's great and and, and, um, and Zoom is wonderful but there I, I do miss that one-to-one connection and we're, we're doing it this morning which it makes a dramatic difference when you're sitting across the table from mm. somebody and you can look them in the eye and you can, um, you know, you can really interact with them and engage with them. You can have some fun. You can have, you know, some you can fun. have so much fun on, online. Mm. I was on a call with some guys in Australia and mm. Singapore this morning, and mm. I know the guys really well, but they're still missing this interaction. Yeah. And that, you know, you can see someone's demeanour, whether they're totally. present or whether they're not. And yeah. you know, that 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 there's lots of tools that enable us to carry on our businesses. You know, if we didn't have Zoom, Webex. Teams or whatever you want to call it, you know, how many small businesses? You know, ninety-four percent of business in New Zealand is small, yeah. under five staff, under fifteen staff, whatever you want to call it. And you know, how many of them, if they, if we weren't able to use technology, would be still around today? So we can't, you know, we can't beat ourselves up too much. But mm. we are very fortunate to be able to utilize technology in our business life. Yeah. And you know, someone who, like you said, I've been a freelance journalist for so many years, working out of a, I'm going to use my words, like yours, working out of a suitcase, working in my house. Yeah. You know, that's been no big shift as they as they say yeah you know i, I i'm confidence is a big thing for people right now mm. and sometimes that human interaction is so important you sure. know just that physical connection with people and a lot of people are struggling working from home mm. homeschooling the kids you know you've got your three kids going yeah. through a major yeah. i'm going to say bluntly that that age group is huge for their learning and their Absolutely. studies and yeah we've got a five and a three-year-old rocking around and it's mm. spell the word and do the drawing and that kind of thing which is yeah. great fun but i do feel for friends and clients of mine that have got yeah. kids that are really yeah. in that pointed age of yeah. study yeah. so yeah. I hope we can I think as a parent I know it's going a bit off topic but as a parent if we can keep stability and calmness and genuine love and interaction with our kids I think that's so important you know they know what's going on these kids and yeah. you know I really hope they don't miss out too much by being on technology with, with as opposed to the um you know the, this face-to-face interaction kind of thing. I hope sure. we can get back to that soon. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've got a 14-year-old, as I said, and he's you know really into his gaming, and all his mates are really into into gaming, and and uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge as a parent to get off to the technology, you mean? Yeah, or? yeah, absolutely, and and to and to trust that they will come out the other side of that. Mm. You know, and and. Um, I like the fact that he's kind of in, he in, interacts with his with his pals and his friends and um, through online gaming and stuff like that, which is cool. So yeah, when you look at the kind of the kids and the homeschooling things and, and stuff like that, just having that balance of, you know, we're sitting here, we've had a lockdown recently, but we could now get back to the beach or go through a bush walk or bike ride. We are very fortunate, we're very lucky, and you know, I just hope everyone around the world can get back to whatever normality looks mm. like pretty soon. Business story, bud, and 
you know that big audacious goal for the next year for you mm. what are the, what are the things that you what are the things in your business that you do every day that that have become more habits good habits is there, is there like a is there a routine to to your world is there a routine to how you go about your day and I use the word getting in the zone for what it is you're there to do and what you're being paid to do. Talk us through. Talk us through a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I have. I've gone big on LinkedIn over the last two years since I started the business. Again, as an introvert. Yep. Uh, safe place. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a safe place. It's really challenging yeah. to put yourself yeah. out there. And and, and I, as yeah. a as a journalist, I've always hidden behind other people's stories. So going on LinkedIn and, and being very open and, and, and using my own stories to practice what I preach and, and to help build my brand and grow my business, it, it, it's definitely a challenge, but it's, it's been, again, so rewarding. Um, I've made some amazing connections mm. on LinkedIn. Um, I think on paper, so writing out my thoughts and ideas about you know what I do and, and the whole process of story has been fantastic. So um, one of the one of the first things I do most mornings is jump on LinkedIn for you know thirty minutes and mm. an hour. I try and post three to five times a week there, um, and I think that's really important for me, not just in terms of engaging with um, you know the people I work with and the people yeah. I want to work with, but also for getting my ideas down on paper around what I do and why I do it. Uh, I'm also at an, age, at an age now where I need to stretch every morning because that's a vital <laughs> part of my, my routine. I'm 47. What are so we stretching? Yeah, so I, I, I enjoy getting up before the kids. I enjoy getting up yeah. quite early. Um, yeah. 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning just to have like 30 minutes or 45 minutes just to myself to stretch and, and, and ease into the day. And and, um, and then after that, it's, it's really... Just being diligent around the, the writing process, um, and I'm lucky it's something that I really, really enjoy. I, t- I tend to be able to get into the writing process quite easy, um, and flow is difficult. You know, Talk working from that. home. Yeah, working from home. Yeah, I mean, it can be challenging at times, um, but I tend to be quite good at kind of just getting the blinkers on and, and focusing on what I need to focus on. And and one of the reasons that I I really want to focus in on the origin story concept is, is I enjoy that challenge of getting inside the head of the person mm. that, I'm, that I'm writing for. Uh, as I said, I do other types of content writing, but for me, that ability or that, uh, that opportunity to, to work with somebody on a project, to collaborate with them on, on their origin story, mm. on, on their story, to try and capture their voice, that presents, it keeps it fresh mm. because it's a unique challenge. Every time you talk to somebody or interview somebody, the key is to try and, and, and create a, a piece of, of work, a document or a, or a narrative that they pick up and they read and they go, that sounds exactly like me. That doesn't sound like it was written by a ghostwriter or a copywriter. It that, sounds like me. That is the art mm. and the essence of what you do successfully mm. well. You know, mm. unless you said, hey, I wrote Tony's book with him, mm. I would have gone, oh. Mm. And that's the thing, you know, mm. people, people lean on other people's strengths to enable them to to do what they're doing mm. and I think if that's your gift to the world just keep keep plugging away through that and keep you know allowing yourself to to get into the heads and minds of people because I think there's a lot of people who have thoughts in their head and they throw it around and you know, then the next thing comes along and that thought's gone but I suppose it's just time to really pause hit the reflect button and just think about things because 
things move pretty quickly at the moment. They do. And, and having an outsider, um, an outsider's perspective on your life and your stories, the stories you tell that you may think have no relevance to what you mm. do now are quite often the ones that actually mm. um, explain precisely why you are uniquely qualified to do what mm. you do and why you're, you're um, not just somebody who's doing a job you've lived this. Uh, I um, worked with a customer experience consultant last year and uh, CX, customer experience, mm. is a relatively new field mm. and, and he is quite new to it and, and he had spent maybe most of his career in sales and he was struggling to try and come up with a way to get across his story that he wasn't a Johnny-come-lately, yeah. you know, that he, he was the real deal when it came to CX and... And he was relying on um, jargon and um, saying exactly the same thing as every every other CX consultant mm. would say. Mm. You know, really mm. just just lifting it from you know CX one <laughs> customer experience one one. <laughs> so we sat down and, and I chatted to him and, and it's, a, it's a question I love to ask clients: is tell me your very very first memory uh, or your first understanding of the concept of what you do X Y Z in his case customer experience. And he started talking about his paper round, mm. which may seem like a ridiculous story to share, but by talking about his paper round, he said, you know, I realized from, you know, the first week of my paper round, if I didn't get out of bed on time, the papers didn't get delivered on time, the customers weren't happy, they complained to my boss and I didn't get paid. And I, so, got, and I got the sack. And I got the yep. sack, yeah. So from the age of 12, he, he had this understanding of you have to deliver good experience to the customer or else you don't get paid. And that led on to his other jobs, like he worked in a sports shop. And again, wow. he had to, he, when somebody walked into the sports shop, he had to weigh up what experience did this customer want? You know, what, what are they looking to buy from the sports shop? He mentioned Stephen Fry, <laughs> the guy from IQ. He, he used to, he, he was a U, he's back from the UK. And Stephen Fry was uh, one of the customers in the sports shop. He used to come in there to buy his lawn bowls. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and the, uh, I think it was, was it Norwich he was from? Yeah. He also I had to work with the, the local professional footballers who'd walk in looking for the latest, you know, oh, uh, wow. the latest boots and gear or whatever. So he had to kind of tailor his message and his delivery and the way he interacted with these people depending on the customer. So again, you know, he had never thought about those stories as being relevant to what he did now as a customer experience consultant. But they were absolutely relevant. Our history shapes our future. Mm. Our, his, our history of experiences, of tastes, of sounds, of things really do shape our future. But bringing mm. that to life really allows you to think about what's going on in the, the now and in the future and being really present. Mm. And I'm not sure if it's a chicken or an egg thing. I you know, Interesting. You know, because I mean, I look, I look back on my own career. Um, I worked in sales. I worked in recruitment where I learned... The skills that came in, you know, mm. you know, absolutely crucial to me as a journalist, picking up the phone, making phone calls, um, interviewing people, um, relating to people, talking to people. I had none of those skills before I started becoming a journalist, before I started out in recruitment. Mm. And whether it was an unconscious de decision to say, well, you know, you're, you're not ready to be a journalist now, you don't have the guts or the balls to be a writer now, but this could be... This could be useful for you down track. Or, or, or whether it was just a lucky accident. Nah, timing. Who knows, right? Who knows? But yeah. there's, no, there's no point dwelling too much on who knows sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to wrap that gift up. Yeah. Um, as we land this plane here in Auckland, New Zealand, mm. as we land this podcast, and that moment we met in that venue and having a bit of gelato and talking mm. about being introverts and, and sharing each other's stories through to the day. I'm really, I'm really fortunate and appreciative of the time you spent and I'm looking forward to where this may go together in, in the future. Um, 
listeners around the world, how can they get in contact with you? What's the best way of connecting with you and, and maybe seeing some of the work that you do and getting in a, getting into the eyes and ears of what it is you do? What's the best way for them to get to you? Yeah, as I said, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Robert, Robert Tyre. You can find me on LinkedIn. Robert Tyre, that's T-I-G-H-E. And my website is www.storybud.co. And that's Storybud is S-T-O-R-Y-B-U-D. .co. Yep. Um, so yeah, you'll find out whatever you need to know uh, on there, and happy to uh, to uh, yeah, send examples of the origin stories I've done. Obviously, they're quite personalised, so I don't mm. tend to, you know, mm. they're, they're quite personal to the people I work with. But yeah, um, absolutely happy to send you some examples of how it works and and what you can do with it. Really, it's 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 proven to be very versatile. People use it for a lot of different things. They can use it for their for their website, for their social media, for speeches or presentations, for I've had some clients use it as a video script, as a basis for a video mm. script for that kind of coming out to the world. If you like, this is me, this who is who I, I am. Yeah, you yeah, know? And yeah. then trying to do that on your own or trying to work with a video uh, videographer, mm. rocking up to them and saying, I want to do this, but without having any real sense of, well, what, what do I want to say? Um, that's, that, this is where this kind of process comes in really, really handy. As always on these podcasts, I've learned so much over this last hour. I've learned a great deal about another human who's rocking the world and putting everything on the line just to do something amazing and who will continue to do good things. I'll put some show notes up and some links to, to Rob's site and LinkedIn and how you can connect with him. And I'd encourage you, if you are considering or thinking or in the process of doing it, just reach out and what's the worst that can happen. You guys will connect and there'll be a great story on the back of it. I'm confident around that. So thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for rocking up into this global headquarters and sitting in this heat at the moment. It's hot. It is hot, isn't it? We need to land this plane and go to the beach. Thank you so, so much for being a guest. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do and why you do it. And to our guests, to our listeners around the world, keep safe, keep healthy, keep looking after yourselves. And above all, we'll see you all soon on the Nick Rowe podcast. Take care. So there you have it, Robert's story. What an absolute pleasure and privilege to sit with that man for just over an hour. And we hope, I hope you have taken a great deal from storytelling, from how you can and might want to think about how you go about telling your story. As I said in the outset of this podcast, I'd encourage any of you to reach out to Robert um, at storybrud.co and have a chat to him see how he may be able to enable you and or your business and or your story. He's doing exceptionally great things with some really cool people. So again, it was a huge pleasure for me to spend some time with that man and and the work that he's doing so successfully well. Thank you so much for taking the time again to listen in. Thank you for spending an hour with us and uh, taking some time out of your day. It means so, so, so much. If you like it, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs across, whatever. Um, I appreciate all those wonderful words and emails that I receive from people from around the world. They, I, I sincerely mean that. I really do appreciate your thoughts and, and thanks and gratitude going out your way. Keep safe, look after yourself, look after each other, and I can't wait to see you all again, share with you another story on the Nick Rab podcast.